Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Brothers Hunt Podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun this week with Michael Heaney. He is uh, wild. It was like trying to herd cats in there. We did it, though, I think. It just took some doing, and uh, it was not our normal format, so we bleeped out as many of the cuss words as we could. But I, I thought he said some really interesting things. Yeah, I did, too, and I always do, and that's why I love going by Heaney's on my way home sometimes or, or on my way into work because – it seems like every time you go, there's something he's got something to say. I know you're gonna laugh, but you're also gonna get some type of advice or you know insight into something that you should probably know about. He had his cats in there, and his dogs in there, and my dog in there, and a guitar in his hand, and he was smoking. So if you hear some weird squeaks, or that's that's kind of what's going on. To sum it up, just so you don't think this is a hunting podcast episode, uh, Heaney talks a lot about old Nashville. Uh, the people that were in old Nashville, the songwriters, really the foundation for our uh, business that we work in. Uh, he talks about some of his experiences working with Eric Church, working with Waylon Jennings, and just had some cool things to say about the music business in general. Great advice for a pursuant songwriter or really anybody pursuing anything. He was just extremely encouraging. Yeah, it was a really cool dynamic, I thought, in the room because you had Heaney, who's been there for, gosh, since the 60s and 70s and then you who are obviously obviously been there longer than me and then me coming up as a writer now it was just cool I, I learned a lot of, and during this podcast as a writer in town as well so I think it'd be really good for anybody that's that's hungry in the game that's young that maybe doesn't have a publishing deal that's wanting to get one or just are thinking about moving to Nashville to try this thing uh, man you, you should definitely give this one a listen thanks to Michael Heaney for hanging out with us for a few hours also thanks to Blue Otter Polarized for sponsoring this podcast uh, we love these glasses. I was actually brim fishing with Dad the other day and could literally see straight to the bottom, and he couldn't see for the glare on the water. Those things work, dude. Let me hit you with some bluewaterpolarized.com knowledge. Polarized sunglasses are a necessity on the water. Our lightweight sunglasses produced in Italy and fitted with lenses manufactured by Carl Zeiss Vision will have you see in the bottom. Nice. Okay, so we're about to get started with Michael Heaney. The uh, song that we're going to play today, the intro song, is actually a song written by him about us. We are not twins <laughs> at all. Actually, I'm four years older than Reed, um, but he felt inspired to write a song about us, so we feel inspired to share it with you. Also, at the end of the podcast, he just cut the recorder off. So there will be no thanks, Michael Heaney's, for coming out at the end of the thing. You'll hear it. It'll cut off. We're sorry about that. Heaney's probably not. Let's get started with Michael. Thank you all for listening. Well, now there's all kinds of legends on music room. Known for great songs that hit people's hearts and souls. But the newest big buzz on the music scene and all the weekly antics of Dan and Reed. Yeah, the Isabel twins sure like to kill. The gut ain't a thing that don't stand still. While the rendering songs are like a talk about hunt. Cause you write what you know when the show knows something about shooting little bambas and killing turkeys. Big ticks on the Squirrel jerky, they're always camouflaged, so it's hard to see them. So you gotta look hard for these Bill Twins. You 
All right, thanks. <laughs> this is called a podcast. Yes. Podcast. Okay. Podcast. All right, so hang on, Andy. Don't talk for five seconds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so th- we had an interesting, uh, interesting podcast for you today. This is not has nothing to do with hunting, uh, but it does. Well, maybe a little bit, but it has a lot to do with uh, one of our favorite dudes. <laughs> Our favorite dude is a natural. No doubt. No doubt. Jonathan Singleton. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, I was from Jackson, East Tennessee, man. Okay, I don't know. Look, Michael Heaney. I was was shy. Otherwise, I'd be a performer. Michael Heaney is the nicest, meanest, oldest, youngest. Grungiest, cleanest. (laughs) Dude in the history of the world. Uh, very accomplished songwriter. Oh my goodness! Just go ahead and say it. I'm sexy. <laughs> He's no incredibly doubt. sexy to be 80. We, there's no way we could ever explain in audio how cool oh the room God. we're sitting in is with the. We'll, take a, we'll take a picture and post it. Yeah, we'll picture. So the wait, whole point wait, is we got Eddie right here. We got Eddie, you're gonna hear a lot of dog chains. Eddie dog. Some cats. Some cats running around. We got one cat, cat that's. The only thing in here older than Heaney is this cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is at 16 and times, in this times seven. He's what, like is, a, what is cat years? <clears throat> he's just like six and a half. But so, what is cat so years? So he's like 90. Dude, that cat's older than 90. Look at that thing hanging from his stomach. Oh, that's just... that. No, that's just... Um, so explain a little when's bit about When's the last time you gave that cat a bath? No, no, I, I, you can't. You can't give cats. Although I, I gave. And he doesn't Martha groom. Bath. Those are just cats. I thought you gave cats baths. So wait, tell us. Didn't this? Didn't that cat have a stroke? Yeah, three so, years ago. So you got it. You got that. You've had that cat for sixteen years. Uh huh. Had a stroke. I got that cat in the divorce. Okay. Because he had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> wait because he had a stroke you no, got him no because he was left i took him okay because I, I gave him medicine so he could eat with his mouth his time. eyes are looking good yeah his eyes are about oh, he can't see out of the one but he's all right yeah, he looks yeah but better, last yeah. time his eyes were looking pretty janky and now they're looking they're looking like less, he's mo- they're moving at the same less time. jankier and going now, in the same direction I, yep. yeah but now i'm back with my ex-ex so maybe she should take over <laughs> <laughs> take over so the cat's got diabetes yes how did you find that out? Because um, he drinks about three gallons of water every day. So it has nothing to do with his sugar intake. No, it's no. He's just. But don't you have diabetes? Yeah. But so I, both of you guys are on the same plan. Yeah, but I don't give him shots. <laughs> so you don't give the cat any diabetic medicine? Uh, no. Okay. No. I, I love I love him, but. Uh, uh. Yeah, he's just gonna he's <laughs> yeah. just gonna go till he goes, man. Well, I kind of think that's how cats should be. He's gonna man. be like Whitey Schaefer. He's gonna hang in there. Dude, that cat's got way more than nine lives. Forever. Bro, that cat. He don't mess around. I'm just telling you, he looks pretty good. Dude, if he was groomed, you would think that was a two-year-old cat. No way, No dude. way. No, he, really? wa- he walks crooked. Yeah, look oh. at his hips. <laughs> he can't see out of his one eye. No, but you don't know that. It takes him ten minutes to get up the stairs. Hey, better to be in tough spot than to be... Hey, preach. Yeah, and he's happy here. Or whatever they do He's happy. Cats. Yeah, he seems really he genuinely. He, he doesn't know a publishing deal. He's very happy. Oh, that's right. That's right. He listens to good music every day. He does. All right. So speaking of publishing deals, yes. How did you? How? Let's just start from the very. Because I was thinking on the way over here, I don't want to script this out. I don't want to write any timeline. I just want us to just crank it and go. So when you, you were born in Chicago. I was born a poor Irish minstrel, in Chicago. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> when you were born in Chicago, yes. How long was it from the time of you like being a kid to being like, man, I think I want to write songs? Uh, I was about eight or nine. Really? Yeah. That early? That early on. It was, it, and I started real. I was hooked on Ray Charles. There you go. And weird uh, race records, as they called them back then. Wait, why they called them race records? Yeah, I literally, I've never heard. And of my that. brothers, my older brothers, were hooked on Pat Boone and Patty Page and all this White Wonder Bread music. Yeah, I, I was into all this black music. Hmm, that's what I'm talking about. And um, they literally called them race records. They were called race records, yeah, because because he was black. Because they didn't get played on major. Radio. Okay, so I'm that, sorry to age. Early I'm sorry to age you on this. I er, in early '60s, okay. they weren't getting played. Early so, in other words, uh, how did they get played? Chuck Berry would write a song, and Pat Boone would cover it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you could listen to the Pat Boone version, or you can go listen to the to the Chuck Berry. But there's no there's no internet. There's no none of that. So how did you? Yeah. How could you? Or go like listen Fats to Domino it? had Walk mm-hmm. in New Orleans, and Pat Boone had Walk in New Orleans. So how did you know? How could you go find the race record? Um, because my older brother had a friend, Ray, and he brought over all these 45s of the black records. No way. And that's all I was into. And in fact, the first record I bought- Was Ray, was your buddy Ray black? No, he was a white guy. I went to Notre Dame. Oh, really? Um, he was my brother's friend. My brothers were into serious, awful music, and this guy was into cool music. Dang, that's And the first so record cool. I ever bought was a Ray Charles record, and the second one was a Marty Robbins. How much you pay for it? Oh God, they were twenty cents each. Yeah, for for a, you can still get those for twenty cents at McKay's for a for a sing for forty five. What Ray Charles songs were? Because I love I can't Ray remember the so, so I can't I barely can remember the sixties. So it was super early though. And then by the time Beatles, uh, um, that was it. Anybody my age who, who looked at the Beatles on TV and went, oh, I I, I could do that. Yeah, and then between seventh and eighth grade, I got a hold of a Billboard magazine, and I saw in the charts where about sixty, seventy percent of the songs were not written by the artists; hmm. they were written by songwriters. Is that the first time you ever? And I went, "Oh my gosh, these people are writing! There are people sitting writing songs. These people are recording." Yeah. God, and so God. while I played in bands and did the folk thing and did the R and B and the rock thing and all that stuff, in the back of my mind, I was always writing and writing and writing and writing. Really? Yeah. And writing. That's incredible. Yeah. From, the get, from the get-go. Yeah, from the time I was 10, 11, I was... See, that's interesting because I I feel that same way about when I first decided to write songs. Not that this is about me, but I mean, like somebody the other day, when people say, I, I say this all the time, they're like, how do I get to do what you do? I'm like, oh, well, go back to kindergarten, be fat. Get your heart broke. Write about it in a poem. Sure. Get made fun of. Yeah. Hide that diary. It's yeah. like I've always written. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to tell somebody how to become a writer. I I don't know. There's guys that teach it like a Belmont and MTSU. And I took one of those classes. It's a mystery to me. Yeah. It makes I don't know. I think it's just something you have to do or you have to. I'm at the point at my age where. Uh, you know, I could go. Okay, I'm done, but I have to. I have to keep writing. Yeah, it's not like you have a choice. I don't have a choice. Yeah, I, or I would. I would be in psychiatric. Yeah, care. yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, you would. I would. Yeah. I. I, I, I it's ha- what keeps you sane at this point. Yeah, and keeps my mind going, and keeps me getting up in the morning. It's that I think I had a Midwest kind of work ethic where it's like you're supposed to keep working. Hmm. You know. Totally. So, yeah. how do you think people ride off into the sunset? 
I think they get frustrated and they go, I don't want to do this anymore. Or uh, the cats will go, uh, like Bob McDill in Alabama and all that came out and said he, he didn't want to do rock and roll. I mean, Alabama was rock and roll. Well, to him, and of course, then he had a big hit, Song of the South, on them. Yeah. But, you know, man, I have but, a love-hate relationship with Alabama. There's well, some things I like about it. I get, I get, yeah, there's, there's, I think that's across the board. No way. There are, like, people who love No, no, Alabama. no, I'm not saying every, every fan. I'm saying you either, like, a lot of people either love them or hate them. Like, I've, I haven't, not everybody's like, oh, I love Alabama. But at that time, when Bob McDowell retired, Restless Heart came out. Yeah. And a bunch of, you know, quasi little kind of country, kind of, <laughs> kind of pop things. Yeah. And he went, I don't want to do this anymore. So what was Bob McDill's last, Good Old Boys Like Me? Uh, no, that was before. His last thing was uh, Alan Jackson's song that turned into the Ford commercial. Hmm. Gone Country. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Little these roots. Gone Country. And, That's and, his, and one of his last ones was an Alabama song, oh, Song of the South. Why do you love, because I know that you love Bob McDill. Uh, because uh, lyrically, line for line on a lot of his songs... That's what I aspire. I, I have to keep. I've never written a song as good as boys, good old boys like me. Hmm. Or he stopped loving. That's debatable. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, I know you're saying that. Or he, but. or he stopped Bobby Braddock's. He stopped loving her today. Yeah. So I have to. I go. I I have to keep. I can do, one day. I'm going to write a song that good, and I'll go. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'll, I mean, you don't think George Jones singing? No, time, that was the good song. Still doing that time. Was, that was a good song. Great. No, that's, that's a great song. song. That's yeah, a great yeah. song. That's a good song. That's, that's a great. Good, that's a great song. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good song. <laughs> I think it's one of the best. <laughs> I think you get it twisted because obviously you're not going to say, "Yeah, it's one of the greatest songs." Yeah, you can't. But dude, that's one of the greatest songs of all time in the country charts. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been around. It's thirty. Four years old, and it's still getting played on radio. Still gets played. I think on that's. AM. I mean, do you not think that's in the within the parameters of what a great song is? A song that's thirty-four years old and still getting played on radio. I think that's what we're all trying to strive for. I think that's the goal, right? I think. The I best, mean, that's the, I think that's the, the best. The, one of the best songs I've written so far was never a single. Hmm. Uh, on the Eric Church's first record, "These Boots." I think no that, doubt. No, I think that's a really well-written song. That's a great song. The world thinks that, and I think that's. I, if I could write 20 or 30 of those, I might go to the beach. Can you play that right now? I don't know the words to it. I will sing it. What is it? Where's it at, D? Hold on. If I got lyrics here somewhere. Yes. Dude. This, You're just going to make him come right out of the gate? And dude, dude no no rules today. Okay. I, I mean, just wanna, I, we're to just do. hanging, man. Let's just, let's just hang. I mean, there ain't no doubt that the we'll world... We might do this all day. I want to do this all day. <laughs> like, there's so many songs... They, I know, but you can't just blast him on all podcasts. No, I'm yeah, not. You can't blast me, whatever that means. I'm not gonna blast you. I just want. I just want this one, I'll, and a I'll few be more. Part of this one. Who drive with these? This with Eric. Just you and Eric. Well, these boots, counted off many bands. Played one night roadhouse stand, poor tips in empty rooms, and these boots. They stood toe-to-toe With the biggest, baddest yours Like they had something to prove These boots And these boots More than one saved my ass Like the time I hid that grass From those cops in Chicago And these boots Where they dance with the devil And nearly lost the battle 
with a wild Irish rose I wore out more souls than I care to count The more stupid things than most would dare to Kick myself more times than not For the road that led me down But the damnedest thing I'd ever seen them do Is walk out on Anyway, yeah. Bumps, oh my god, I'm my bumps. whole body, dude. That's one of the coolest <laughs> things right there. I got neck bumps. It'd be cool if it had been a single, dude. It's still cool, dude. It's well, still cool. We were I just, mean, we just watched him. Yeah, did I, I tell you we went to Red Rocks? Uh, no. Oh, did you really? Went to Red Rocks, uh, Sambo and Willie. Oh, cool. You know, they hooked us up, so we did like the double down rounds and. Oh wow! Hung out with all them, and then he was there. He was in Denver for two nights, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. He sold out Pepsi Center. Yeah, and he's not even using an opener, dude. No, I know. He's playing like four hours of just three him three hours and forty minutes. And yeah, it's, there's not really like his last tour. There was like a dragon, you know, like there's like a bunch of yeah. No, it's dude, it's, it's him playing songs. It's just lights and yep. it's lights and black and white. Who's the gal that yeah. sings with him? Joanna Cott. Oh my Woo! goodness, bro, she's good for a white girl. She's really good. She's insanely good. <laughs> she's crazy. Right? She wouldn't tell you. She wouldn't think she's white, so she's okay. No. <laughs> dude, how old is she? Oh gosh. 35 maybe man i'm gonna tell you something i saw him in milwaukee a couple of weeks ago and i'll 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 go this weekend what's Are this you? weekend where's it at? at the uh nissan stadium in nashville yeah oh, oh that's awesome that. yeah except it's gonna be 90 degrees man on saturday or sunday saturday yeah saturday so he played pepsi center friday saturday yeah and we went saturday night and then we went to luke played the red rocks on sunday oh cool so we got a whole little four-day deal. Cool. We had elk coming down in the yard. Cool. Caught some, caught some trout, mule deer. So how were you able to write songs those days? Oh, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> got some good ideas, though. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to it. So you you start so writing. Then, oh, so I was at Beatles, Beatles, and I played in bands in Chicago land. What kind of bands? Funk bands? Punk bands? Funk, uh, not, well, yeah, yeah uh, R&B. Top 40, rock and roll, uh, Zeppelin. Uh, horn, I had horn bands. Really? What yeah. age was this? This was at, from seventh grade. I, I want to battle the bands in like seventh grade and then eighth grade. And we won a bunch of these. This okay. buddy of mine, Scott Johnson. And so we were playing all, we had like Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. We were making Jack. Playing really? the Hyatt Regency. It's like 15, I played the Playboy Club. It, it's, uh, it, we were making money because we were pretty good. Yeah. What was the band's name? Oh, there were a bunch of them. What, Cop, what, Copperhead on. Road. Okay. Uh, Steve Earl wasn't even. It wasn't even around yet. yet. No. <laughs> come on, come on, name some more. Uh, Eternity Road. They all had oh, roads. All the roads. Prosterity Road. They all had different <laughs> roads things. It, it depended if it was Never a horn band road. or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I went and. Uh, got a business degree and I finished up at MTSU because they were going to be having a recording program but they didn't really so, I mean there was not, it was this is before was, the rim program this was the first year of it so they had no <laughs> they had no studios they had no wow so I wound up majoring in business minoring in marketing and minoring in recording industry management of which there were, there were no classes so how did you how did you learn how did you even obtain a guitar uh, my brother had a guitar sitting around the house and i just picked it up really yeah old pat there was, fan. there was a mel bay 
cord book there. Yeah. And um, I just, just, I just had to be able to play stuff. I remember the first time I had conquered Roger Miller's um, trailers for sale or rent. Oh, yeah. Oh, All those little in-between chords. I went, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I got I, it. I, I, I can figure it yeah, out. Yeah, if you can do that, you, you are out. good. So that song would have come out. 65. 60s. So you'd have been 13, 14. Uh, 10 or 11. Ruby just burped. Ugh, <laughs> like in the microphone. I, was down, I think I was 10. Oh my gosh. But that's Graham's age. Yeah, that's crazy. So you were learning. You just, I mean, I learned out of a Mel Bay book too, but yeah. that's because internet wasn't. Oh, there was no internet. When I was. There, yeah, there was no internet. And I didn't 12. have any, I didn't have any buddies. I didn't either. That played. So I just sat and went. That's exactly what I did. You know what I used to do? Like and I learned uh, piano at a neighbor's house. I would, all I knew was notes. So like, if it was like uh, Amazing Grace mm-hmm. because of church, yeah. I would just go. <laughs> and that was all I could do. I didn't even know the. So you, you, in other words, you didn't practice very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, it was twenty five years ago. All I'm saying is we did I, everything by ear. I mean, that's we had to. Yeah. Growing up in church, it was like the only thing. Yeah. It's the only way we knew how to do stuff, you know. Yeah, I was Catholic, so we didn't change from Latin to English till like sixty six, sixty seven. So I wasn't gonna learn Latin songs. So do you know Latin? Some, yeah. Really? Yeah. Say something Latin. Domnus Spiritu Gloria Sante. Yeah, I, I, I could. But that was kind of beautiful. Right there, there. It's a beautiful language. It's a dead language. What'd you say? I don't even know. <laughs> <Some words. laughs> All right. So you play guitar. You come yeah, to Nashville. You... I came to Nashville. And I was uh, doing everything from uh, roofing and all kinds of other crap and doing jingles. I got in with this lady, Gail Hill, doing jingles with Dennis Morgan. We did like Rubbermaid, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they started paying some dough. Yeah. So then uh, a guy named Bill Denny at Cedarwood Publishing, which was like one of the third biggest publishing companies at the time. Compare like to somebody now, who would that be, like Seagull? Oh yeah, be, no, it was twenty eight thousand songs. It'd be oh, way oh way, way bigger. Oh my gosh. It would be like A Cuff Rose was. Okay. Or early tree. Okay. Was. Um and he hired me to come do jingles and to write songs and produce an engineer. How did he how did you even how did he even He heard fu- about me through a guy named Bill Williams who was at Billboard magazine, who was friends of the person I had done some commercials for. Were you doing the the, the music row dance, which is which, let me explain what that is. Essentially you go around, you, you meet everybody you can meet, show everybody who's it, involved in music every song you've ever had and hope that somebody tells somebody else about you. Were you doing that, or did you just kind of fall into those relationships? It was different back then because there was more of a songwriting community where if you went and played, there was a place called Muhlenbrinks, which was like the bluebird of the day. Oh, okay. What was it called? Muhlenbrinks. Muhlenbrinks? Muhlenbrinks. It was, was a German uh, bar. It's, it's where, like, Taylor Swift condo is now. Okay, okay. And um, so the moment, that whole building. Yeah, the whole building. <laughs> okay. And there were a bunch of exit in when gotcha. exit in was tiny. Gotcha. And you can go play those things. And the, uh, one song I would say, "Hey, dude, you need to go do this. Or you need to go do this." Was it open mic? Yeah, usually open mic. And publishers would hang out there and they go, "Man, I, I want that song." Gotcha. Can I wow. have that song? So you could literally. And there were only about six good publishers in nashville at that time how many writers do you feel like were filling those clubs as many as there are now oh god no there's more writers now okay way more gotcha way more so you could literally go play an open mic 
and get a song cut or a jingle cut or whatever. Or, or you could, yeah, or at least someone would go, hey, that guy's got some stuff. We should check him out. Yeah, but see, it was a different day because it was uh, Guy Clark up from Texas playing or Billy Swan playing or Christofferson. I was just going to ask you who were some of those guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the bar was pretty high yeah. up here. <laughs> So you worked really hard on. All right, explain to me one night you go up there to play. Who do you who do you see play and who do you go? Man, that guy's pretty good. Oh, Christofferson. You saw Christofferson at an open mic play dozens of times at the Exit Inn. Gosh, yeah, dozens of times. Were you co-writing back then? Like like the process today? I was writing by myself back then. Yeah. Was everybody or were they kind of was? Um, no, some people were co-writing. I mean, I'm assuming in those kind of settings, like. Those, that's probably how the community was birthed, was by people going, hey, man, I liked uh, let's, yeah, like that hey, song. Hey, let's get together, and yeah. that's when, yeah. Co-writing kind of started. Mid-70s, that's kind of when that wow. started kicking in some. <laughs> Jeez. That's so crazy. Yeah. Looking back, who were some of the, was there ever, like, was there ever a time when you were in those rooms where someone either came up to you or you saw someone play and you were like, man, I got to know who that is and I got to speak to that person? Yeah, I mean, like, who were? Did you talk to Guy Clark and all them back then? Yeah, gosh. But Guy Clark was doing his own thing, hmm. you know. Or like John Prine would come down from Chicago and play. How old was he at the time? And I used to play open up for John Prine in Chicago at somebody else's troubles. No way! Um, in the early seventies. Oh my gosh! So, um, yeah, but there was more community back then. Um, you're talking about the song Still Doing Time. Yeah. Okay. Because I was a publisher for like a dozen years, I never wrote during the day because I didn't want to have conflict of interest with any of the writers. I got you. So I'd write at night and in the weekends. And I had, and um, Al Cooley, who was next door at Combine Music, saw me in the alley one day. He goes, Man, you're writing really country stuff right now. He goes, George Jones cutting next Tuesday. You need to get him some songs. And I went, this is another publisher telling you that. That wouldn't happen now. No. That would not freaking happen. Right. And I had, still doing time, I had a verse and a chorus written on that song. And so I gave it to John Moffat that day to write uh, another verse. And we demoed it that night. And George, we, and then Cooley. So you demoed it that night? Yeah. Cooley helped us get it to Billy Sherrill the next day. Another publisher. Uh, through Larry Lee, and that just wouldn't have happened. Now, so now a, a publisher told you that he was cutting. Yeah, you were a publisher. I was a publisher. Y'all wrote it, cut it, and then another publisher pitched it. Yeah, he helped Larry Lee get in to see Billy Sherrill. Good, great. that wouldn't happen now. No, sir. To save, but you didn't make any money back then. We were doing it for songs. Really, still doing time was number one. I think for two weeks, it was in and out of the charts because things moved so fast. Nine, ten weeks, it was in and out. And there were only 200 country radio stations back then, 215. So, yeah. So after two years, I made 16,800 bucks. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) How much did your demo cost back then? Um, They would be $60 a piece. Did you cut them full band? We'd cut 11 songs in three hours. (laughs) Just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes that would include the vocal. Wow. Yeah, you had two guitars, piano, drums. That was it. Wow! Just boom, slam, boom, boom, chunking them. So you've seen it. You've you've seen at the old Cedarwood Studios. 
Yeah. Which is what? What is that now? That is now a big. They tore all that down. Uh, it's where the CSAC is now. Okay. What's that like to see a town that you came to so long ago completely, and an industry too, completely remodeled? Yeah. Is it completely remodeled? Oh, totally. Okay. Well, um, it's about money now. We have accountants and we have lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. That are helping drive things. The bottom line is driving it. Um. And yeah, all the little guys sitting around in houses is pretty much that's gone away. Yeah, you know. So was Music Road just a bunch of houses that everybody walked around? Totally. To? I mean, keep in mind the uh, Owen Bradley's the Quonset Hut, which you cut Patsy Cline and cut everybody in, was a house that he built a Quonset Hut behind it. Mm -hmm. Studio B RCA, uh, Chad Atkins built that. Yeah, and that was. Uh, part of back of a storage of a, of a furniture store that was on music Row. Yeah. yeah it's just a street i mean like like people yeah. live there and oh yeah they went to the grocery store there and, and the old cedarwood and where that place where they feed the homeless guys on that looks like a little kroger <laughs> old store that was a furniture store oh, on music Row. i mean yeah it was I, a, how long has virginia's been there virginia's have been there since i got here really so, really yeah that's gone now it no, is gone. no virginia's still there Oh, Virginia's. Oh, Murder Mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been here forever. <laughs> it is kind of crazy yeah. that Virginia's is this tiny little... It's not a gas station because they don't have gas. No. So no. it's just a little market. It's a convenient market. Yeah. And it is across from like multi-million dollar, dollar condos. condos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's still just this tiny little place where you can walk in and get a ham sandwich. It's got bars on the windows. <laughs> bars Virginia on the window. quit like five, six years ago. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, her husband or someone got sick, so. Gotcha. Yeah, so it was a whole different thing. Yeah, that's a whole... I, I'm trying to even imagine that now. Uh, I guess I, because we are well, so... My gig, when I was at Cedarwood in 1970... Six uh was four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Then What was your rent? Um well we bought a little house in Green Hills for eighteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Dude, you couldn't buy no, you can't, an eighth of an acre. You can't buy a parking place. Yeah, yeah. no, that's exactly that. right. They've torn that house down and put up a bunch of those big The coffees in Green Hills almost cost that much. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, and yeah, so it was a, it was a whole different you didn't do it for the money. Right. You, I was writing with a guy about six years ago, and we talked about him previously okay. to this. And he was bitching because um, BMI and ASCAP money was is, is less than it was like eight years ago. And um, I said, because it's like, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a piece or whatever. Yeah. And I said, my first song, I made 16800 bucks. And he said, well, why'd you keep doing it? I was like, yeah, that, that's, you what had I, to. that's what I did. It's the only option. That's what you do. You're, you're, Such you're, an interesting concept, man. I mean, cool. if you took the money out of it completely, yeah. How many guys? Would how still many be guys time? would still be doing it? Oh yeah. Or not, not completely, but if you cut it in half, you know. Yeah. Just there, enough to barely get by. You yeah, you'd have probably some of the good guys hanging in there saying, "I got to write songs." Yeah, yeah. So what was your what did your first real country music publishing deal look like? It was a I, well because I was an executive. It was a dollar, a dollar, a dollar, a like, dollar, a dollar a day, a dollar a year, a, a dollar a year. <laughs> Wait, what? Because <laughs> I got paid four hundred and fifty dollars a month to be an executive guy. So you started <clears throat> as a publisher before you were ever even a songwriter. Really? Did you sign yourself? 
No. That would have been awesome. That'd have been, no, I would have given myself more than a dollar. <laughs> yeah, okay. I got myself more cuts. <laughs> it was a different... I, I was at Cedarwood with Pat Higdon. And back in that day, Pat was like a song plugger and an engineer. And I was like a song plugger, jingle guy, songwriter, engineer. Okay. Larry Lee, the song plugger guy, was an engineer. Everybody did... You just did all... You did everything. Okay. You know, and if you wanted to go demo, you'd... When I got there, we'd gone from eight to sixteen track, while most of the town was going to going to twenty four track at that point in time. But it was because we were able to buy a cheap sixteen track from Woodland Studios. So this is probably mid seventies. Yeah, and the board is the board. Uh, Jimmy Buffett cut his big thing, and Linda Ronstadt cut her big Nashville record. Huh? Big old tube suburban sound. So walk board. me through some of your cuts as, as early early to like. Yeah. So sixties would have been, no, it would have been seventies. Would have been seventies. Yeah. yeah, my first cut was a Tom T. Hall song. Awesome, oh, I love it. Yeah, Tom and T. it made like you know seven dollars. What was the song? I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> when was it? Sixties or seventies? Seventy four. Would that be considered an album cut? Yeah, an album cut. Okay. You know, and you didn't sell records. You know, that's what. And back then, artists used to make two, three records a year, albums a year. Gotcha. Well, how many songs on? 12. Really? Yeah. So they'd be putting out 36 songs in a year. Yeah. Where's... So there'd be outlet for us songwriters to get songs cut. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like now, if you look at the charts, um, 75% of it is tied up with uh, the producer's controls who cuts it, the right. artist controls who cuts it, yeah. management controls who cuts the song. So you get about 20, 25% chance of getting an outside cut. It wasn't that way very much back then. You had Billy Sherrill controlling a lot of George Jones, Tammy Wynette, but he was writing those classic songs, so how could you, you couldn't deny it. Yeah, they were better songs. Yeah, they were huge. Right. You know, Stand By Your Man and all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. So you couldn't compete against that. But right. there, there weren't the, I'm going to write a shitty song and put it out because I can, which we have more of today. I agree. So, you know. So it was Tom T. Hall. Yeah. Then George Jones, probably. No, and then I had some other piddly little... Did you have some Reba stuff in there? I had, yeah, like a dozen Reba cuts in between. Just a dozen. What was your biggest Reba cut? Um, I had a single on her called Have I Got a Deal for You that went number three or number four. When was that? Because I don't remember that. It was 83 or four. Yeah, so. I was born then. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that. And then I had uh, I had a Christmas song. I had you know a bunch of album cuts on her. What are you going to do about me and stuff like that? And so then the 90s roll around. You've been in the business 20 years at this point. Yeah. And it explodes. Yes. What, what, when, how early in the 90s? Was it, 90, was it, or actually, I guess somewhere when CD, so was it CDs came out. Was it ramping up to that late well, 80s? Well, you had like George Strait and some of those cats, something coming out. And songs started getting cooler. I mean, it became less country. Okay. Huh. Uh, early in the 60s, you had, uh, Billy Sharon and Owen Bradley making all these pop records on Peggy Lee and even Patsy Cline's, that Nashville kind of sound thing. Okay. And then we got into some crappy stuff. Okay. And then you had George Strait and Randy Travis and Ricky Skaggs. Is that like Urban Cowboy time? Yeah, I'll, I'll call it that. Okay. And then... So uh, they were the guys who kind of led that push into... Yeah, I mean, uh, Ricky Skaggs and, and Strait and that and, and, and Reba and some of that stuff. Yeah. It was like... Whoa, these are good songs. Yeah. And people started buying it. Yeah. And radio, we started getting more radio stations. 
I mean, now we got what two thousand something radio stations. Yes. Yeah. Is that like Amarillo by morning kind of days? Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, like a, a oceanfront property kind oh, of days. Gosh. Those kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a. Good or one. forever and ever and amen. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, crying my heart over you, Ricky Skaggs. Those yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Those were like, well, these are really good songs. Where's yeah, Rick, they where, were. Where's Ricky from? Kentucky. Kentucky. Is he? I was yeah, because. Because George, what other Texas and influence like Texas and Reba was from Oklahoma? What other other influences with them came with that? Were there any? What do you no, because people were from everywhere. Yeah, okay. from Georgia. Yeah, Garth Brooks was from. Yeah, I mean, you had Don Williams yeah, from Memphis. Yeah, had... Don Williams is from Memphis. Yeah, from Memphis area. I didn't know that. Um, R. See, R. Don R. Williams was putting great time. It was there was some quality stuff out there. When was that? When was Don? and then Garth Brooks came out and he had some of course he had some great songs yeah but along with all that attention you had a bunch of other people coming out and putting stuff out where he just like, oh, yeah whatever yeah what about chris ledoux you chris ledoux fan i got a chris ledoux cut yeah years ago really but a lot of people say that garth kind of stole chris ledoux's show would you agree with that yeah really really yeah it was this rocking live bombastic just crazy Run around the stage, sort of thing. He was a big Chris Ledoux fan, right? Uh, yeah, he even yeah, he even said that. And I think they said that he uh, uh, worn out tape. Chris Ledoux, remember that? Yeah. Uh, I'm much too young to feel this damn old. Yeah, they said once he once Garth actually mentioned that Chris Ledoux in that song is when Chris Chris's numbers actually went up. His career started to kick in. Wow. Of then he got sick and died. Yeah, what do you have cancer? Didn't get cancer. Yeah, pancreas. R.I.P. Ledoux. Yeah, that's um, or he got burned out on songs or something. I don't know. <laughs> could have been. So the nineties roll around. Is that nineties two thousands? I quit being a publisher in ninety somewhere in the nineties. I taught at Belmont for nine years. You did? Yeah, music publishing. And you didn't know that? No. So yeah. you were you getting songs cut during this time? Yeah, like you'd be getting cuts. Well, yeah. Well, you got you were cuts. signing writers and stuff like signing that. Signing writers, yeah. Really? Yeah. Who were some of the writers you? Uh, John Moffat, uh, I signed, uh, I'm having a brain fart. Guy wrote Friends in Low Places. Yeah. Uh, um, had the publishing. Um, no, what's his yeah. name? Now, the real guy who wrote it. Uh, I can't think of his name. Damn it. <laughs> Dwayne Blackwell. Okay. Uh, really wrote it. Hey, tell me the story, and whether it's true or not, about somebody owed a bar tab. Oh. Wait, what were you about to say? I was, I've heard something about a guy. Being asleep and getting a part of that song, Friends on Little Places. Um, I don't know the whole story about it. The one guy's still alive. Okay. So what about the one... But didn't somebody pay a bar tab with part of their publishing? Back be before on the old Cedarwood days. Okay. If, like, some of the great writers back then were uh, Webb Pierce, Wayne Walker, uh, Mel Tillis, uh, Carl P Perkins, Danny Dill... And if those draw wasn't getting them through, they would give some of their writer's share to the publisher. Really? Yeah. That was a pretty common thing. Huh. Back then. Which we can't do that now. No. It's, it's against the law. <laughs> <laughs> or you lose in a poker game. Really? Yeah. You and could lose your publishing in a poker game. No, you're not your publishing. Your writer's share. Damn. You give your writer's share away in a, in a poker game. Yeah, that doesn't happen now. <laughs> that is crazy. But really cool. Oh, this like, could... there's something really cool. Like, this, it was almost like the Wild Wild West. 
on the roof a little bit, like in the industry. I kind of did this with this guitar in 1977. I had a writer, and I had kept giving him personal money, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, okay. for him to go buy dope. Okay. And I finally said, Zach, I'm done doing this shit. He goes, well, here, hold my guitar hostage. And I gave him 20 bucks. And I still have it. That, it's a good-looking guitar. That's that oh, guitar? Yeah. yeah, I've written a bunch of oh, like 10 rounds guitar. of Jose Cuervo on this and a bunch of other shit. Shoot, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the 90s roll around. 10 rounds of Jose Cuervo? Well, that would be that would have been 2000. 2000. That's true. Four or five or something. <laughs> yeah, and you have you had occasional single here and there and occasional... On songs cut, I just, I'm not good at titles. That's okay. So you meet Eric, I guess. Yeah, like 18 years ago through Arthur Bonahara. So that would have been early. That would have been 2000, basically. The turn. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes to town, scrawny kid. Uh, yeah. What? T tell us about him. I had been. I was kind of burned out writing with new people. And 19 years ago, you were burned out right with new people? Yeah, I still loved writing <laughs> That's songs. That's been going on for 19 years? <laughs> That's been going on for 30 years. <laughs> when you put you in a room with a guy who can't write his name. <laughs> That's true. I, I, okay. Who can't write his name. Oh, yeah. no, it's okay. You yeah. can say that. And, we'll bleep um, it. <laughs> uh, Arthur Bonhara, who was a song plugger at, at Sony Tree, rang me up because I got this new guy you got to hear. And he set me up a day to write with him. And Eric came in. I remember it was a Friday. He came. He was on time, unlike Eric now. He was he was on time for a 10 o'clock write. And um, I told him, I said, man, the last thing I want to do is be sitting with some new fucking punk kid. Yeah. And then he played me the song Lightning. Really? And that I, was the first song he played for yeah, you? Yeah, and I went, holy shit. Yeah, that's a hammer. And I said, I'm in. So we wrote songs for about a year for him to kind of get into uh, I'm a little less country from North Carolina to more I'm more of rocking. Yeah. So you're just you, kind of country. Everybody's just kind of like he's developing his thing yeah, he and was you're watching it kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just kind of like they would today. Just kind of making the rounds, writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like. Figuring like, it out. Like Laney. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we started writing some really good songs. Yeah. And that was the first record. Man, that oh first record is insane. I bush hogged yesterday morning or Sunday morning for. I think I had four, maybe five on that record. Dude, I listened to that record particularly three times. I promise you, while I bush hogged, it's that good. It's a, it's a good Sinners record. Like Me record, man. It's a good record. So, what all's on that record? Sinners Like Me, These Boots. These boots. That on there? Yeah, I wrote yeah. These Boots, What I Almost Was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A couple other songs on there. Uh, Carolina. No, that's, no, that's, that, that's later. Lightning was on there, wasn't it? No, that's never been a single. Really? He's never put that out. Dang. He just plays it live. That's he wrote what, that by himself? Yeah. When he was like 19. 19. So give me your best Eric Church story. <laughs> or worse. Okay. I'll change the name to Protect the Innocent. Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, I had been out. The first record, first album came out. He was starting to really draw a lot of people, but he couldn't get a single really. Right. I kind of I kind of remember those days. Had, I think had, we might have even opened for him at it, Rick's and Starville. Yeah, he had got, got yeah Rick's. We did a lot. But he was. I remember we opened for him, and when they played these boots, we were in the crowd just watching, and because okay, long super long story made longer. Catherine is from Selmer, Tennessee. Yes. Okay. 
Or no, Adams. Huh? Adamsville. I'm sorry. Adamsville. That's right. She's from Adamsville. So her dad. Which is 10 minutes from Savannah where we grew up. Right across the river. Bernard (laughs) and my dad were friends. All right. Yeah. So somehow she heard some stuff of ours. I had a great. You mean, you know, Jamie Davis and Soul Gravy. She was working for Jody Williams. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so she's kind of took interest in our band. So she set us up on some opening days. We played Rick's all the time. So we play, we opened for him, and then we went out and watched him play to a – I mean, he packed that thing. It You couldn't breathe in there, dude. Yeah. But when he played these boots, everybody raised their yeah. boot up. And I remember thinking, that is hands down the coolest thing I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, now they got the lyrics on the bottom of the boots. <laughs> really? Well, I still hadn't gotten royalties on that. <laughs> We'll see. We, we'll see so anyway, we, the record awesome comes money. out. He's got a. He's gone from two hundred to eight hundred cedar clubs. Um, it's it's selling just word of mouth and momentum. Okay. He can't. He had guys like me and something else. To get, just oh, went, you're gonna have to top, take that. It's gonna squeak the whole time. top twenty or whatever the hell it went to. Right. And um, the head of the record label, we were at, at the cannery here, and Eric was playing. And he's uh, he bummed a cigarette. He goes, man, what am I going to do with your guy? I can't get him on the radio. I, and I said to him, I said, uh, Bob Seeger, Zeppelin. And I started mentioning all these acts that never had singles. Yeah. They were album acts. Yeah. yeah. And just, just out records. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point in time, the head of promotion comes up and goes, we got to drop this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. We got to fuck you. This is good. And I'm going, y'all are, sp-. of course they didn't. Right. <laughs> but that was the attitude, and that was the struggle that Eric was having to go through because he wasn't delivering pop, stupid poppy radio pablum bullshit. That was probably at the kind of the end of the Garth Brooks era. Yeah, it was over Garth Brooks. It yeah. was over. Yeah, yeah, about that time. Because yeah. what year was that? Two thousand two or three, three, three or something. Four. Yeah. So, and then the record level got on board as he started selling more and more and more places and more and more and more records. Right. And he's still not a radio artist. You know, the thing he's got out now is going to do good. Yeah, what is it? Um, um, s- save it all. Uh, uh, some say. Some uh, uh, Some of it. Some of it. Some of it. That's a great song. Bobby Pinson. It's a great song, man. I mean, I heard that song and I was like, yeah, good song. I get it's it. a great song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool one. So the, the lesson, then a lot of people, oh, man, but... Uh, they don't have the. Wait, what was that? I'm into Eric. I want to be all these. All, oh Eric, yeah, everybody want to be kids. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but they, the, but they don't have the conviction to stick by their guns to do what they are. They turn on a dime. The label of, hey, Bebo. Okay, I'll be that. Okay, that's be, true. Oh, I'll wear a hat. Oh, I'll wear a hat. Okay, here's a vet. How about you like leather? You know. Yeah. So you. So Eric was who he is the whole time. Yeah. Man, and he's he's evolved. I sure, mean, sure, yeah. With yeah. each with each record, yeah. But um, we wrote the song "Love Your Love" the most, and we were in uh, Hammer Banger Alert. Oh, yeah, we were in uh, um, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And Wait, why were you in Las Cruces? He Do was it. playing a gig, and we had a layover, and okay. so we had a day to write. So you were on the bus with on the bus, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and um, Catherine called and said, man, they're screaming. We got to get a single. We have to get a single. <clears throat> and then Mike Dungan called down and goes, dude, we, can, can, can you guys write a single? And Eric said, man, I could write a single if I wanted to. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so that night, and they had stolen my insulin 
the cleaning people. So I was like, what? Buzzed, yeah. And so, um, I and I was drinking pretty good at the time and okay. stuff. And so I told. By her, the way, the brothers hunt does not encourage drinking by no. diabetics without insulin. No, you know, no, nope. Yeah, and or we do not. Uh, we do not support stealing insulin from anyone. Nope. Don't take it. No, it's bad. It's bad, it's bad. for you. Sponsored by the Isbell Twins. <laughs> We're going to play that song um, on this podcast. And um, it was... Las Cruces, New Mexico. I thought we were done writing that day because we'd written for about six or eight hours. And then he came over to, to my room at like 11 o'clock. He goes, all right, come on. What's your hit idea? And I said, I got this idea called I Love Your Love the Most. You know, I love evening on Friday. Look at it. He goes, he goes, God, that's so... And then I put the line in about George Strait. He goes, I've got so push and then he had the mustard in my fries yeah thing and I, so finally i was able to get enough stuff in it and he goes he, we get done that night and he goes all right here's that's a damn that's a, that's a single and no it went, way and it, and it went four or five wow so that was his like his oh yeah but he knows he can write a hit yeah. so why if he is, wants to okay well let me ask you this why do you feel like why do you feel like he doesn't write a hit every time because he's chasing the rabbit, man. He's chasing the yeah. he's chasing the the high of wow, this is different. He'll do it for the rest of his life too. Yeah. He'll do it till he dies. Yeah. And yeah. he's an eclectic to what he listens to. I mean, it's all over the place. Oh yeah. What's some sure. of, what's some of his favorite stuff? Well, the band. Is it? But also like uh Tina Turner. Huh. And uh R and B and Funk and staple singers that's interesting yeah. to me because i feel like we're we're super r&b influenced too uh like i mean some of my favorite stuff is uh some of that old like uh call me the, uh shoot, steve miller yes yeah oh, yes yeah. i love some of that it's just that old funky 70s oh, even groovy, the, man even i mean i'm not obviously trying to make this a, a race thing but like even the rock white dude bands yeah. were still funky back then, man. Oh yeah, they were, you could tell they were heavily. Some influenced. of the southern rock stuff, yes, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I mean, I mean, Allman Brothers, hell yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The thing, um, our dad was a huge R and B dude, yeah. And well, I think we, the thing mom, I lean on, young cats today, is they don't know that history. Even like Miles Davis and some yeah. of that old jazz stuff was yeah. super lost, soul influence, yeah. New Orleans and all that. Uh, people say what i got i said you got to freaking study when i came to nashville i was lucky enough i went to work for cedarwood so i learned all those old songs from the 50s and 60s and saw how this evolved and one of my first rights was with mel tillis and carl perkins so oh i went goodness. in the room and i thought i had like five or six ideas i sat up all night you know i went through the ideas and and tillis went well all right i went oh no now he says we'll write the second one, and we did. Really, wow. and it turned out crappy, because Carl had just decided he wanted to do just religious music. So, and Tillis was used to writing a song that was two minutes long. So, and it had two changed, minutes, is that and it changed by then. Two minutes long, yeah. But Tillis had written great stuff like "Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town," "Detroit City," some <sighs> classic stuff. But everybody studied the stuff that came before him, so you're able to be influenced by. Sorry, we put her out. Everybody and her brother. Yeah. You know? So, currently, how do you feel about the state of uh, country music? 
I think what's interesting is you've got Casey Musgrave and Isbell and all these cats on the outside. Fringy. The Americana cats. Yeah. John Prine's bigger than he ever has been before. John Prine is bigger right now than he ever has been? Ever. Really? Ever. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. And you got people hungering for a little more depth. I think so. And I think that's a lot of what we're missing right now. If we want to go to the... Uh, we're away from the girl getting up in the truck song, hey, have a beer. Yeah. Yeah. But not far. we're not far removed from that. You know, and I think, I don't think it's, I don't, I think we're underestimating what country people want to hear. I agree And even that. the new modern, the, the guys from Boston or Midwest, those country cats, yeah, they want to rock and get drunk on a Friday night sure. and shit, but they want to hear, you know, a weird Jamie Johnson or Chris Stapleton record because they want a little depth right and i think i agree yeah i think we're missing out on that right now um and every once in a while some of those come out yeah but we are still playing the radio game that's our business premise is playing the, the radio yeah and radio all they care about is is you don't piss off what goes in the the commercials Right. They, you could put out blah, blah, blah between the commercials. They don't care as long as they get their commercials. Yeah. And so they're happy. Hey, let's have it be have, have, have happy. But, yeah. You know. So I, and I think, I think the way the business is right now, I don't think it's healthy, the greed factor that's out there. Yeah. Of I got to produce this act, I got to write everything. Or I've got to, you know, Dan Huff produces 20 acts. He doesn't have to control everything. He doesn't he care. Makes, he doesn't, he's hadn't written a song on any of them. He right? makes some of the best records that are out there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these artists who maybe need better co-writers, you know. Yeah, that's true. You know, but... Um, I mean, obviously now there are a lot of artists who, who I mean, feel at, like they have to write. Most Miranda's last record okay. didn't, didn't really have any singles. And so what, 860,000? Of a double album, yeah. Golly, I didn't you know? even know that. Yeah. yeah, of good music. Yeah, really good of, music. Of stuff with depth and character. Right. And I'm not saying everything has to be that way. You know, I wrote "Drink in My Hand." That's a fun, stupid radio song. Yeah, yeah. It but is. just drop that one in there. Just <laughs> <laughs> decent too. <laughs> I wrote okay. Ten yeah. rounds of Jose Cuervo. That's a dumb <laughs> drinking song. But that's a really well written song. Yeah, yeah dude. It is. Yeah, it's very well written. Drinking my hands is a well written song. I get in arguments with Casey over ten rounds because man, it's just so stupid. I go, no, Casey, look how we structured that and we got that to point A to point B. Yeah, but Casey's never going to be happy with any. No, of that. Casey's going to go musically. Uh, nah, man, honest, nah, yeah. he's too busy doing chilling and willing. Or what's his new Sammy Kershaw song? <laughs> Beg chilling and willing. Begging and wagging. No. uh... <laughs> Grinning and chilling. Chilling and What? Grin. He has a Sammy Kershaw cut? Yeah, it's a single. Right now? Yeah. Oh my, I can't he's wait. He's hot, man. Oh, oh my gosh. He, he's, he's hot. All right, so let me ask you this. Do you feel like a kid, because this is something I've been saying recently, I feel like my generation was the last generation of show up to town with a pocket full of songs and possibly get a deal. Do you feel like there's still hope for that in this town, or do you have to be connected to something? I knew a man, Bojangles, and he um, I, I think, yeah, you're at the end of the millennial thing. 
Well, I was right before it, I think. No. Come on, man. The end, of, me end, of, end of Millennials 36. Oh, that's how old I am. Yeah, so you're right at the end of that. God, I thought I wasn't in there with Yeah, my 36-year-old son is the same thing, Dang. too. But there's three divisions in the Millennial thing. And I think some guys are still dedicated and wanting and bringing songs into town but i think it's getting less and less that because we're graduating people okay. from belmont yeah or mtsu and that doesn't mean they're not going to be great but it's yeah you taught there i mean it's a different head mm-hmm. I agree. Of, of and and it's more of a business thing as opposed to oh dude listen to my song mm-hmm. it's more of my where i've always been stupid is not being aggressive and pursuing the Man, I need to get with so and so. Huh. I, I've never done that. I'm always like, well, they know where I am. Yeah. I'm not being lazy or anything. It's just sort of I don't want to bug artists, you yeah. know? They want to write the holler at me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and yeah. A, a lot of these new guys, man, they get the, 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 oh, they're aggressive. They are. You know, and it's a different thing. A lot of them are track people. And, um, I've been doing my own demos for 45 years, so yeah, yeah. I guess I'm a track guy. You are definitely <laughs> you're a track the OG. Guy. I'm like a tra- I'm the I'm a track. original. I'm a track guy. <laughs> hey, I want to just jump into. But some... I think there's some new. There's gonna be some new cats that are that are uh, you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thank you. Look at Randy. R- Randy. Gosh, why did it take you, you so long get... to look at me? <laughs> because I go left or right because I don't see good out of that eye. <laughs> uh, you and the cat got something in common. Randy Montana. Yeah, man. I mean, he's been doing this for what, 10, 12 years? Yeah. And he's having his first big single right now. Right now. We couldn't be more happy for that dude, man. I love him like a brother. He's just so ugly, though. I love him. Yeah, so ugly. So ugly. If you want to know more about Randy Montana, you can go back to the third episode of our podcast where we talked to him for an hour about turkey hunting. About skinning deer. Yeah, second podcast. Uh, Hey, I don't. Rattlesnake Ricky. I go to Kroger to buy money. All right, tell us. Let's just get that out of the way. Let's tell tell us about your your one and only deer hunt. Okay, my it wasn't my one. It was my last deer hunt. It wasn't your first. No. Okay. But I was down in Texas with some artist. I can't remember who it was, and we were in Texas. Some in this probably I Kevin Denny or something like that. No, Kevin <laughs> Denny wasn't even born <laughs> back back then. He was like Leroy Parnell or somebody. Okay. And we were down in this ranch, and they had a bunch of these Mexican cats let these deer loose. And we drove around drunk in the back of Jeeps shooting deer. And then I went, I can't do that. That's the last time I'll ever deer hunt again. Just so you know, I don't really consider that like deer hunting. No, it's not. That's he doesn't I, consider that deer hunting. I don't hunting. either. That's the last time I went. Yeah. And so did that put a bad taste in your mouth towards hunting or just? Yeah, yeah. It was like, that's that's wrong. As but it should have been. We do. You don't have, think yeah. we're wrong, do you? Mm-hmm. Especially if you bring me stuff. We bring you stuff? Yeah. He's eating. You've eaten our uh, moose before. Moose turkey. Kill, I had moose turkey. I had some of the elk. Deer. Yeah, I had some of the elk from. Yeah, I went Montana. wrong. Uh, Hyde bar- brought me some deer summer sausage like yeah. two years ago. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got some for you. But now his new tur- his new deer are infected or something. So. No, he's. They're <laughs> not infected. He is so. <laughs> gosh. So recently in the state of Tennessee, in the western part of the state, we've had a. A bit of a CWD. I wouldn't say outbreak. It was yeah, just but a, no, he showed me. He took pictures of his de- up Eric's place. Yeah, and they got like scabby stuff all over him. Yeah. And so he w- he would shoot him. And then he go, I I'm not getting them processed to whatever blah blah. I respect so, that. I just go to Kroger. Or, 
Well, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, of course, every, every, there, there are animals that have illnesses, just like, you know, animals can have cancer and animals just can like have just, cat, just like humans. I can't, it's got diabetes. That's I right. can't sit up in a tree and do tracks. Sure. It, it's not for everybody. <laughs> I understand that. I would be sitting up there reading. You can if you're right with Floor George Line mm, in their treehouse. I'd be reading. Oh. A deer. Oh, doe. Oh, doe. Hello, doe. Hello, doe. What are you doing? What are you barking at? We're talking about deer. So I guess my uh, before we, I mean, we've probably been going 45 minutes. I want to get into some some deeper stuff just for a minute. Yeah, I'd love that. Just for a minute. Because I think, I love your perspective. I know every, everybody, our, our listeners will definitely love your perspective. What do you feel, what do you feel like music business, Nashville, has taught you about yourself, um, about music. I mean, I would I would venture to say about life. If you're not writing songs, you're probably not living. Oh, I'm not. Or I'd be just I'd be one of those cats. It's 64, 65 years old where I go. I'm just gonna go away now. Right. No, I have to do it. And. Um, and do you the, feel like it's the relationships that music brings, or do you feel like it's the it's the it's song? The music. It's and that, that any given day you can write a song to go. Oh wow, I got one today. Right. You know, most days it's going to be okay, or it's going to be good. It's not going to be bad. You know. Yeah. Unless you write it with. But <laughs> <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> I was waiting. I was ready. No. Unless you write it <laughs> with <laughs> with. But occasionally you get that song where you just go, "Oh yes, 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 yes." Where you hear it six months later and you and you can't find lines you want to fix. Yeah. Hmm. You know. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's, satisfying. It's cathartic to me, and. Well, the writers I do write with and I do hang with are people I really want to be with for the yeah. most part. Yeah. I Now that I'm not with a major publisher right now, I'm not having to write with... Yes, everybody. Peep, peep everybody. Yeah. You know, and I got, I got my three days a week booked and I'm going, oh, I like... my L.V. Shane's a good kid. I like that. You yeah, know? man. I got him coming up. I heard he was great. I mean, he's great. Is he? Yeah. yeah I'm excited about that. Um, it kind of rejolts your 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 fire and your love for for writing songs again and and that's yeah. coming from that's coming from a young and the, guy and the, in the game the thing since i don't and it's good like with eric church is a good voice yeah so i can have a thing and he could be that voice sure or like laney wilson yeah yeah oh, great she, voice. she can have that voice yeah no doubt where i could write a chick song or when reba cut stuff yeah i could write tender little girls songs yeah and there'd be a voice for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's an exciting thing. I think the 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 knife in the gut is just the way the business operates right now. For sure. And uh, I, yeah. I think but it, do you feel? I, I feel like. Do you feel like that's with everybody's business that eventually, like whether it be making Bibles or whatever the purest business is, do you not feel like humanity will always find a way to kind of screw that up a little bit? I think we're getting more and more away from anything spiritual, real, or honest, and it's all about money. Period. In every business. I don't care if it's banking, if it's internet, Facebook crap, yeah, I, uh, music business stuff. Yeah. I've, I think we're... Uh, the innocence is gone. 
It's agree. Like, how can we get an IPO on this and sell on, on yeah. in the stock market? How can we do churches? Sure. You know, it's kind of, it's. Yeah. Yeah. When I grew up in Chicago, my dad died when I was five, just turning six. And if the Catholic church came in and went, okay, we are going to help you guys do this. They paid for my school of Catholic school. Um, it was a community thing. And you wouldn't find churches to do that kind of stuff right now. Wow. It's not. It's about hey, yeah. But it also money. goes to it also goes to the point you were making earlier about country music, and I think, like I said, it's across the board earlier. People are longing for depth. I think they want every, to, in they, every in yeah. everything. I, I'm, I'm yeah. I think so. I, I, they want all the emotions. They want to rock and roll. They want to sit and cry. They want to go. Oh my God, that that's me. Yeah, I'm talking about what I did when I was sixteen. Yeah, they want to be lifted up. Yeah, well, I'm talking yeah. in life, period. Across, yeah. yeah, I think people are wanting yeah. some some substance. But do you know? Do you think 16 year olds are still doing the same thing we were doing? Like for me, for no. example, I was. I do not. You don't. No, they're sitting on their iPhone for yeah. nine hours a day. I can remember being 16 in my truck, hearing like spinning that Rascal Flats record, having just been broken up with or broken up with someone. Yeah. And like wanting to park and cry by myself, and then sure. rocking some Stevie Wonder Dude, and no getting back on yeah. my feet. Absolutely. There you go. You don't uh, think that's happening? To some degree, I think their escapism, their game thing of being on the internet or being in face, eight, not having to deal with those emotions. They're not dealing with those emotions. Wow. They're escaping through Facebook. You go out to a restaurant and you can see everybody like, do da do da do da. No one's talking. Yeah. You know they didn't. Man, when an Emmylou Harris record came out, I'd call up my buddies. They were all over at my house with pizza and beer, and we'd be listening to that record. Wow. Or Zeppelin, or whatever, or George Jones. People, man, we're going to listen to that record, man. We gotta... I mean, it was an event it was an to event. listen it to a record. Because you knew there were going to be 10 or 12 great songs on there. It was awesome. It was exciting. Oh, get this, check this, you know, what, whatever. You know, and... Um, they're not putting CD players in cars anymore. Right. That's you know? true. This is the last year for Ford to do it. Everybody else has cut it out. Well, well CD, CDs will be gone eventually. I mean, it's all well, gone. Well, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, they, they the want to be in stores. When's the last time y'all bought a CD that you didn't have a song on? Oh, what? Oh, he's all right. We'll get it in a minute. <laughs> I'll clean that. Remy just puked. <laughs> Remy just puked. That's <laughs> good. Anyway, I think that, that whole day of that stuff is out window and if that's uh, i don't know you think that whole wait say that again wait what, what's out the window out the days of the whole album concept is out the freaking window except for maybe two or three acts right now you got you got luke combs you got stapleton you got eric church miranda you got casey musgrave um people are want, or you know john prine's new record just sold a crap load of records that's true and it's 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 People want it. Oh my God! I mean, back in the th cool about vinyl, <laughs> you listen to those five or six songs, you go, "I can't wait to turn it over. I'm gonna turn it over." Yeah, I can't wait. Right now, they're downloading a song or downloading another so song, and most of the time, they're doing it free. They so th they don't have any real connection to it. I'll tell you, the last record I spun and just loved was that uh, that Port St. Joe record. Uh, Brothers Osborne. Golly, that's I mean that is a record you can just turn on. Musgraves was that way for me. 
you could just turn it on and listen to the whole thing. And these are, I mean, I got yeah, buddies out there recently. With yeah, but I mean, these, man. I mean, dude, I mean, but like, yeah, yeah, those are great records. I called Casey today, and, and he was like, he was like, I got the, uh, the the brothers today, and I was like, we're not on your schedule. He's like, the brothers Osborne. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm jealous of that one. Yeah, that's a cool ride. That's a good one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I just like what they do. John can play the crap out of guitar. Oh my goodness, dude, they're so he good. He can play, yeah. bro. That's that's another thing I feel like we're we're losing some of is like the ability to just get up there and like shred on a guitar or vocally. Well, yeah. Here's the interesting. Um, a lot of the new writers are going, man. I want to do I want to do the '90s thing. That's what I'm hearing from everybody. I'm hearing that a lot. I want to do the '90s thing. Yeah. And I'm asking them, what does that mean? You know, like a guitar lick. And like lyric kind of thing, and I'm going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're not lick oriented, or even melody oriented on a lot of stuff. Now. Right. It's cool. Do you feel like the, speaking of contact? So what contact is is a program or a simulated program? <laughs> yeah. That, of that sounds. Guitars, yeah, bass, drums, drums, actual instruments, synthesizers. Yeah. Do you feel like drummers are extremely nervous about contact? I think they're about to work. Most of them are working at Home Depot. <laughs> the, the whole the whole business Home studio drummer. Home Depot. Man, I can't tell you Home that back Depot. in the days when we did demos, and you take a song and you go, oh, it's like this, and the band would play it and you go, oh wow, that's like brilliant. What y'all are doing? I'm not thinking of this. Yes. You yeah. know. Yeah. Because they're killer players, and you got five or six guys sitting in a room making magic. The first mm-hmm. time Joe Spivey played on my demo, I cried. Oh, yeah. It's the most magical thing. And I wish everybody that has never seen it that loves music and listens to the radio could watch one of those songs get cut, man. Because I didn't know the process until I went to the studio session for the first time. It might have been years. To watch those guys listen to the three-minute song over a loudspeaker, walk into that Let's room. Let's be honest, dude. They listen to one minute of a three-minute They, three they listen to yeah. a verse and a chorus. Right. And look at the chart and go, perfect. Here we go. And do they put? Oh, it's magic. And they go in there and it's, it's magic. magic. It's magic. It's the closest and, thing to and it. I'm, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there's so, there's a lot. Half the people out there aren't recording with a real band, right? Right. Now. Yeah. And it's a little loopy thing, so it becomes boring. It's like one, yeah, four, one, four. One, I knew four, it was getting four, weird four. when I walked mm. into a studio one time and there was this, and my buddy, might have been Utley, actually Chris Utley. Was was he was working on something as I walked in and I said, "Golly, dude, cut the tuner off that gal." And he went, "Bro, there's no tuner on that gal." And I said, what? "Oh yeah, they learn they learn to sing that way." He showed me. He said the new cats that the he, the girls like dudes and girls that he's getting coming in have listened to this. No way. Melodyne driven vocals auto-tune. for so yeah, yeah. sorry auto tune vocals for so long. That now they're replicating. Yeah, they're yeah. replicating yeah. the robotics. Of yeah, that. that's unreal. Yeah. Oh my goodness, and, and, and that's pretty crazy. And in one way, like I said, I've always had home studios, but it's a tool. What's it, a tool? The the home studio, the contact, oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be your end to a means. Oh wow, it, I agree. It shouldn't be your. It should be you guys just got cut through a guitar vocal. We're gonna cut that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, we did. Through a guitar right. vocal, that's right? right? That's yeah. right. Um, if it's good, that's what it should be. Okay. What do you think? Um, I mean, how would Dolly Apart written "I Will Always Love You" with a track guy? It probably huh? doesn't happen. Have happen. It wouldn't happen. Doesn't happen. No. 
How do you have that emotion? It doesn't, because that guy's sitting over going, boom, turn the shit down. Turn it down. Turn it down. Turn it down. You're right. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. Okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Shows are packed at places. People want to hear music. Right. I don't care if it's in a little venue, if it's down here at the mariachi place. <laughs> the if, Mexican place? Yeah, if it's Bridgestone Arena. Right. People want to hear people music. People are they're selling out freaking shows everywhere. That's pretty powerful, man. And it really is. And it's because people want that thing. <clears throat> and you can't get that thing from downloaded. This Bruno Mars song and this so-and-so song and this song by this guy, you know. You can't get that from that. I, I completely <laughs> There's agree. no continuity to it. No, no there's, there's not. not. You know? And mm -hmm. there's something, you know, even going to Red Rocks. Because, like, for the Eric Church show, we're not really involved, I would say, in anything. Besides having buddies that are on the crew and in the band. Like, I noticed when, we, when he was up there, I was like, Dude, we know 70% of the people down there. Are you talking about Eric? Yeah. 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 I've, I've but, never met. Well, I've met him once. But, but I, that was an yeah. event for us. That no was something doubt, that man. we just went to as fans. Musical fans. Loot was different. You know, we're involved well, you're in You're working that. on it, yeah. Yeah, we're working on that. But, man, there that is. Was and Red Rocks is pleasure, obviously, too. But, but yeah, it was, it was going to something to go see a show. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying that creates like this. There's, there is definitely... It's an event. An event yeah. and an environment. And that that's what in. music should be like for people that can go, oh, man, a Dire Straits record. Oh, yeah. Or a Gary Allen record. Or yeah. Yeah. Zeppelin, whoever. Yeah. You listen to that, you go, oh, man. When I get burned out from music, first thing I do is I go upstairs and listen to a bunch of music. Okay. That's oh, a wow. great That's a great thing. Who is your <laughs> gut when you get burned? Because I get burned, too, and I got my go-to. I go to listen to Mark Knopfler. Mark Knopfler. Dire Straits. Instantly. Yeah. Or Zeppelin Four, really? Yeah, or a John Anderson Seminole Wind record. Golly, that's a good record. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great record. Man, see, that's really cool because mine, and I'm just gonna be real honest with you. That's what, that's what Sunday was for me. Was just a little, just I put on those that Eric Church that Sinners Like Me record and spun it and spun yeah. it and spun it because I haven't been able to get it out of my head since. Yeah, you know, for a while now, and and actually when Luke was talking about it, turkey hunting. When he was talking about Carolina and, and the center, and that was my that was my fire me back up. Well, keep keep look if you look back how contrary Eric was and is to everything that's going on out. So even that record was contrary to me, music then. Oh my God! Look, I'm taking me fishing. Think how sparse that record is. Yeah, it's a sparse. There's no production on that record. Yeah, no. It's no. it shows the songs. Guys like me. People yeah. can people can hear the lyric. They have to hear the lyrics on that. Hmm. They want to hear the lyrics on that. That's true. You know. But yeah, I, but it's a, it's almost like with his. You have to pay attention to to know the story. Like not necessarily. You want to pay attention. These songs a story. Yeah, you're yeah, drawn man. in because it's musical. Yeah. Yes. It's like his new singles, musical, and so you're drawn in. It is music. That's yeah. really cool. I immediately, my cleansing palette is, uh, I love Don Williams. Don Williams is killer. I'll always roll into like some of that haggard stuff as far as, uh, you know, big city and stuff like that. I don't want to get into too great a songwriter stuff because then okay. I'll get in a funk okay. when I'm listening because I'll go, oh shit, they write a lot better. They're way than better me. than me. Yeah. 
So I don't want to do a hacker. So you want right. to get into happy stuff? No, I want to get into like weird guitar, Knopfler. He is weird. Zeppelin shit. That stuff is weird. And figure out how he plays that n- note inside that chord and makes it work. Yeah. Hey, what has nine arms and sucks? Def Leppard. I'm Def Leppard. <laughs> Def Leppard. Remember that one arm drummer? Oh, yeah. They're still, okay, they're still out working it. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. Anyway, I got to feel hopeful. Otherwise, there's no reason to keep doing it. Oh, dude, Everybody I does. think there's hope. I, I oh, think dude, even yeah. within the last two years, there's been... We've seen some changes. Of yeah. change. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully it becomes more organic, more real, more accessible. I remember <clears throat> I was at my, I got invited to CMA Awards in like 75 or something. <clears throat> and I went, and John Denver and Olivia Newton-John were like the presenters and the big winners. Olivia Newton-John Denver. And I'm going, <laughs> they're not country. Right. They're not, what the hell is this? Well, that's the same thing of bringing whoever to the new the awards show and stuff yeah what well, remember i remember when they brought lionel richie on and i was like lionel richie is not a country artist no but he'd done a country record did he do a country record yeah what did and, he do uh a couple of years ago huh. and easy as sunday morning some of those those are country Man, songs. Those are country songs. there's yeah. a bunch of those a lot of his stuff was country Gotcha. So you that's know, kind of why he's receiving. Yeah, yeah. Man, I love that. Song. I mean, especially when he was the Commodores. A lot of that stuff is. Where was your first gig in town? Uh, Cedarwood Publishing Company. Besides, I mean, playing gig. Oh. Oh God. There used to be. Like dozens of little, I'll call them coffee houses. Huh. And I can't remember what's the names of them. You just play coffee. Douglas Corner was there back then. Yeah, you go play that. Is it still there in the same place? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Did you ever play Bobby's and all that? Idle Hour? No, (laughs) no. Is it still there? Yeah. No, I think they just closed that. They just closed. It's gone. Yeah, I think they closed. Um, I used to play Mule and Brinks. Yeah. Um, Bluebird came later. No, I. But I think there's a lot of things to be hopeful for, and I'm not talking about going back to country. I just want to go back to have it be more real songs. Yeah. And there could be stupid songs out there every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, no I, doubt. You I mean, got to write them. Yeah. We always talk about Pickup Man as being like yeah, the most I'll, intelligent. There's a lane for it. That's a great written song. It's a great song. Or yeah. his song, Third Rock from the Sun song, whatever. Okay, and Carrie Kirk will tell you that yeah, about that some song. Some of those songs, and even some of the uh, stupid Garth songs are written so well. Right. You know, when you go, holy crap. Yeah. But a lot of our shitty songs today aren't written very well. Yes, you know it's you and blue and true and do and stew and it's it's with a single with a poo it just turns into poo with a a single word title. (laughs) You know, I have to write a single word title. Yeah, you know. Okay, so let's just do this for a minute. If there's a prospective songwriter out there that wants to wants to come to town, wants to be a songwriter, what would you encourage him to do right out of the gate? Uh, Go play places, see what is out there. Uh, Go study what became before you. I, I mean, go study Bob McDill songs. Go study Billy Sherrill songs. Go study great songwriter songs. I mean, sit, write them out, listen to them. Literally study and research. Why point A to point B works? How did they get that hook to work? Why does it make you go, oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Well, they do the same thing in this song to the next song to yeah. this song. Yeah, and go study that and go, I get it. See, because Bob McDill had stupid songs, too. Sure. Uh, Baby Had a Blue Jeans On. Man, I love that song. That's a great song. Yeah. It's written to the <laughs> but wall. But it is stupid. It's yeah. written to the wall. Uh, uh, ain't just like a woman, ain't just like a man. Yep. That, that's, that's, you know, that's not brain surgery. But his songs like dancing as fast as you can and some things you just go, oh, that's... It's brilliant. So they study that, go play places, and someone will find you probably. Would you tell them to cut the radio off? No, I would tell them to cut it off and cut it on, but I would tell them to study it and then learn all the rules you possibly can and then work hard to forget them. Love that, man. You know? God, I love that. It's like no six or eight different ways to make the verses rhyme different ways. So it's not the standard shit. And just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's That's always right. right. No. Yeah. Because that, that means they can leave and go to Top Golf at two o'clock. Right. Or a hot yoga. Man, I gotta go. I gotta be out here. I gotta go. To you see a yoga. bunch of them there. And I think these cats need to write songs by themselves more. Yeah. Hmm. I write I a lot by that. myself, and and uh, ultimately that song will probably be written with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. But you know. I go that through the exercise of where I want this to go. I do that too. I find myself, uh, or at least, uh, what's the word? Um, at least experimenting with the, the Explore hook it. to yeah. a point. Explore. Yeah, exploring the hook to a point to where I feel like I've got it nailed the best way. That's something else when they talk about 90 songs. Right. They're talking about hooks. Okay. Being interesting hooks. Right. Yes. Being, they, yeah. I see what you're being saying. Being tricky hooks. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, I mean, gosh, there's been a lot of songs. One word titles out in the last couple, three years. Yeah. Where you go, oh, boy. Right. And they just found a way to kind of spin it. Yeah. Or yeah. they didn't. Or they didn't. Or they just say it. Or it's got a great... <laughs> hey, one more thing. Favorite movie. My favorite movie, The Quiet Man with John Wayne and Maureen O'Hare. You asked a question there. Favorite uh, <laughs> favorite beer? Oh, uh, real Guinness in Ireland. Really? Favorite mm-hmm. restaurant in Nashville? Jimmy Kelly's. Yeah. On a good night. That's our parents. Favorite. Jimmy Kelly's? On a mom good night. My mom and dad love that. Place. Now, if Mike Kelly cuts the beef that morning, or when he comes in, he'll go, you want to have the New York Strip? You have the New York Strip. Oh, really? Or if he says fillet tonight you have the fillet so is he there is he there every night yeah most nights he's there and most mornings he cuts the meat did not know that yeah so he'll tell you what's happening or arthur one of the waiters will go if you say man i want you get the strip get the yeah pan pan pizza are you a chicago style pizza if it's real good real good remy like giordano's you got the ball Got the ball out. That's awesome. She's already, she ripped one. She tore one in half. <laughs> um, uh, I had to have a colonoscopy the other day. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, yes. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't been at Brown's Diner in about three years. Oh, yeah. And Susan had to give me a ride home, and she goes, where do you want to go? I said, Brown's Diner. And I went in there. And I thought Brown's Diner seems like a terrible idea after a colonoscopy. Well, it's not. And it was so good. 
And I just said to her, I said, do you remember the time we were in here? The Everly brothers were sitting in the bar. No. Come way. on, man. Yeah, because they came in there all the time. Uh, Steve Winwood was sitting over in one corner, and Billy Joel was sitting over in the other You're corner. You're kidding me. Yeah, at one time. And no one bothered any of them. Wow. <laughs> oh, my god! And I thought, is this not an incredible place to be? Wow. The, I missed that's 20 years ago. It is was it, 20 years ago? Yeah. The, is this not an incredible place? They had just built the back room at, at Brown's. It yeah. Used, it used to be just the trailer up front. Really? Yeah. I know that little back, that little back room. Yeah. Dude, it's still an incredible place to be, man. It's Nash- great. N- great burgers. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So I, the day I was there, uh, <laughs> Josh Kerr was there. Jake Gear was there. Yeah. Um, uh, there were like three or four other writers in there. So they're figuring it out. Maybe. <laughs> uh, tell me, will you just tell the one story about the night y'all lost the key? The yeah. what? The night you lost the key to the published now picture. Oh, the picture door. Okay, so this was Cedarwood Publishing Company, and it was back in the days um, when, like, Johnny Cash or Waylon Jennings and those guys would say, I want to come hear songs. Well, they'd show up at 9 o'clock at night, and you had whatever they wanted. Yeah. And we would listen to... You can talk about that, whether it be... Uppers, downers, coke, booze, whatever it was. And we would usually rock till 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And it was Waylon was over there, and it was Mel Tillis that night. Uh, gosh, there were two, three others of us. I couldn't find my key to lock up the building. <laughs> so you're the publisher of this. I'm point. the publisher. <laughs> you got all these guys there. Y'all been rocking all night long, listening to the song hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the picture somewhere, but um, I couldn't find my key. And I think it was Tillis says, "Let's just lean against the door." <laughs> So there's a picture of like me, Pat, I think Pat Higdon may be in it, Waylon, Mel Tillis, and a couple other people, and we're all leaned up like a bunch of drunk sailors up against the door. In case it's, anybody was to come sealed. in, they'd wake Yeah, they up. couldn't. Of course, we're all passed out. They couldn't. And Dolly Denny came in and took a picture of us that morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, but nowadays you go, you know, I mean, yeah, bring me some songs. Yeah, I'll meet you at the Y while you're exercising. Right. <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, it was. I'll I'll be at the. Oh, sure. My trainer's got me in the. Uh, I'll Facetime you from. Yeah, the, Facetime from jo- from the Johnny spa. Cash and Waylon Jennings and Paycheck and those guys. They they didn't they didn't do that. They didn't go to the YMCA. They did not go to the YMCA. <laughs> they didn't have a trainer. No, no. I mean, Waylon went so far as getting his legs cut off because he wouldn't take care of himself. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's a different world now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any other favorite stories of yours that I just want to get recorded. That we could tell. That we can tell. There's a lot of them that we can't tell for sure. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite interaction with Heaney's story is one time. Remain nameless uh, to protect the innocent, but uh, we were sitting there at the fire hall. Yes, we were at the fire hall at Sony, and this guy came in and he sat down. He was a real pop guy, you know, super <laughs> pop guy, and he wanted to uh, the new. Justin Timberlake record had just oh, yeah. came out. And so there's a bunch of these great stories about him. As we were writing, he was like uh he was like, you know, like 
kind of like this new Timberlake record. No, JT. Right? No, JT. I know, but he kept. Did no. he say JT? No, he said JT. You know, I want to do it like JT, and I would. I went. And he, oh, that's right. <laughs> and I said James Taylor, and he would look at me because he had no idea and he would give this who James like, Taylor kind of was. Confused look, and then and then he would like avoid Heaney and kind of <laughs> yeah, go back and play something. And, and then, then forty five minutes later, he would say, you know, kind of like JT, like JT, and, and I go James Taylor. <laughs> And then this guy, <laughs> my Miami pop machine guy. Oh. I'll cut it. Uh, and um, um, you had had a guitar lick. Yes. And I had recorded it in Pro Tools. Right. And I was playing it. And he, the guy goes, well, let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. He, and he recorded it at the first, at the beginning of the ride. First two the minutes of the ride. He recorded it. And so then, like, 45 minutes after this JT talk, Heaney starts playing that lick back, and the guy goes, yeah, let's do that. And he was like, like, exactly. J- like James Taylor? Jade Taylor? <laughs> like, right. like JT? What? What? Yes, there was a JT <laughs> before your JT. Before. There was indeed a JT. Oh, man, Mr. Heaney. What you might find him in the woods or we'll see him in the sticks. Yeah, one's kind of thin one's kind of thick. And you'll know for sure by all the hair on their heads Yeah, it's thick and nappy, ought to be in dreads Yeah, the Isabel twins sure like to kill The gut ain't a thing that don't stand still While they're entering inside